Dear listener, this is an important announcement. Please note that we at the Thinking Behind It All provide our commentary and analysis fully cognizant of the fact that the global community, its peoples and their thoughts, beliefs and feelings are diverse. In this tapestry of ideas, races, cultures, genders, sexes, sciences, spiritualities, religions and politics, there are inevitably and perpetually competing interests. This is the world or worlds we find ourselves in and we accept it. We ask of you to bear all of this in mind as you listen to the podcast. We are simply expressing our individual and or collective views as we navigate and attempt to make meaning of a planet whose inhabitants have different realities and truths. Therefore, though we analyze and commentate unreservedly, remember that what is said is our opinion and facts based on our research and perspectives. We do not claim to speak for and or on behalf of any person, group, entity or nation. It is your prerogative to make whatever inferences and conclusions based on your listener experience. Now please relax and enjoy the podcast. Debris. Oh, sorry it took so long to respond, eh? Oh, I just had the worst experience, man. Yes, brew like I just got back from the voting station, eh? I tell you, the most incompetent people I've ever had the pleasure of dealing with, eh? Didn't even know I was blind. It told me that they looked at my eyes and they said, like, I look like I can see, eh? They wouldn't even allow me to get to the front of the queue. And eventually, like, when I convinced them that I could actually not see by sort of, I don't know, like, hook or crook, eh? Then they didn't have braille ballots, bro. Like, what the heck, man? I don't know where this country's going to. It's going to the bloody dogs. I tell you, ever since they took over, bro, in 1994, it's been a total mess. Absolute total mess. You know, Welcome back. Now, according to the IEC, South Africa has 2.7 million more women than men registered to vote in the November 1st local government election. Now, that's a difference of 11%, which, by the way, suggests that women have quite a strong commitment and intention to vote than men. Availing themselves as the alternative, the African transformation movement does not have a local government footprint, but hopes to change that after the elections. And, uh, and yes, I am. And, uh, and I'm sure what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to reporter is in the township where in fact residents have been uh, preventing the president uh, from uh, campaigning there you would have heard some of them there in the background uh, complaining and saying they've got uh, things to say but the president saying he doesn't actually have uh, the time it's election promises it's uh, uh, manifestos and it is coalitions that seems to be the theme of what i'm seeing for these elections but what i'm hearing from a lot of people on the ground is it's broken promises failed coalitions and manifestos they don't understand Political parties seem to be already pronouncing on their preferred coalition partners ahead of this year's local government elections. And judging from South Africa's politics in recent years, coalitions might be the country's norm following the decline of the ANC, which has been in government since the end of apartheid in 1994. Mm. Well, you see, it's not looking good. Is there still going to be a show? Not even Kovivi is going to get me down. I'm in better shape than all of these political parties. What's up fam? Welcome to TTBIA, the thinking behind it all. 
This is the People's Podcast, where we decode and break down media texts looking for hidden messages and underlying meanings. What is meant by the words, images and sounds that the author used? Who is the ideal viewer? How do you feel as the resistant reader? This is what we do and more as we analyze new stories that made headlines on mainstream media, alternative media, as well as social media. As we do this, we will be making reference to socio-political ideas. This is an attempt to contextualize and understand how we are positioned as consumers of news. More importantly, once we have the insight and know-how, we can become more responsible in our sharing of news. Add to that, we will be better informed activists in our spaces. 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 On the front pages with your host, Malusi Ngala. Do you all feel excited about elections? Do you sit around the table with your family? Or do you meet with colleagues around the cooler? Or do you gather spontaneously in the streets to talk about how thrilled you are about the prospect of voting? Do you think of it as yet another golden moment that democracy presents? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I see you at that rally, jumping up and down for your faves. I see the guys puffing up their chests in a momentary lapse of concentration as toxic masculinity takes over. They will be forcefully saying, while pumping their fists, we are changing this country for the better. The gals will be like, I believe in him. Not because he's so sexy, but he knows what's right for the people. The LGBTQIA plus minus community, apologies if I missed the rest of the letters of the English alphabet. They'll be like, what did that bigot Dave Chappelle say? It's elections in South Africa, good people. And these are held interestingly under vastly different conditions than the previous ones. In addition to the extraordinary unemployment rate, especially amongst young people, inequality and poverty, the coronavirus is doing its thing. But for now, at least for the elections, the South African government has forgotten about the global crisis. You gotta love the prospect of attaining and negotiating power deals. Pity the government's power grid entity thinks differently about this when it comes to the little people. People. (sighs) Bro, are you kidding me? Like, Seriously, load shedding again? Nevertheless, local government elections it is, dear listener. And it is so massive. Or maybe South Africans are just that confused that they are looking for help from anybody, including priests, tavern owners, teachers, and your nutty cousin that is kept in your back room. (laughs) Sorry, Ice. (laughs) (laughs) The South African Broadcasting Corporation SABC summarizes quite aptly what you should be looking forward to. A total of 325 political parties, 1,718 independent candidates are contesting in what is likely to be the most unpredictable municipal election results. Internal political issues, unfulfilled service delivery promises, party identity and reputation could determine how the more than 26 million registered voters cast their vote. That said, ENCA spoke to its viewers about voter apathy. So Rafiwa, how many people are eligible to vote? And do they actually want to vote? Because it's one thing uh, to register, but it's another thing uh, to be out on voting day. That's right, Clement. A lot of interesting data is coming out of that Ipsos survey that we're running in the days leading up to the elections. Now, before I show you the numbers, I must just let you know that there are about 40 million eligible voters in South Africa. Unfortunately, though, there are only 26 that are registered to vote. So that's a drop in the ocean in terms of the 60 plus million population that we have. Um, That would be so if indeed only 
26 South Africans were to vote. But let's continue. But let me take you through uh, that, uh, Clement. So within that cohort, about 62% of South Africans are eligible and are registered for their elections. Let me show you now in terms of, uh, if we could just update that, let me show you. There is a strong desire to vote, but there's a big difference between wanting to vote and actually likely to vote. So while you may be keen on voting, the likelihood of you actually going uh, is a different story. But the data is showing that there is a good uh, cohort in terms of people that are going to be going out to vote, Clement. So, excuse me, if we continue with that, uh, let me take you now through the possible scenarios of what could happen within uh, the voting on Monday. So there's an 83% of a high voter um, turnout, 56% of a medium voter turnout. And this would be positive for parties like the ANC because the medium voter turnout is one that focuses on people that go and vote for the same party at each election. And then, of course, given the voter apathy that continues to increase, we're seeing that we could also see about a 30% uh, turn, voter turnout on election day. That clip may have not explained why the apathy. And that's because daily news in and about South Africa are about the government's failure to provide services, employment opportunities and have not dealt decisively with crime and corruption. So... Maybe society is just depressed. I mean, why wouldn't you be after this sensational piece from The Economist? Cape Town is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's also one of the most dangerous. We're taking a closer look at a wave of deadly violence sweeping across Cape Town, South Africa. Over the past decade, a lethal mix of gangs and guns has caused a surge in the murder rate. Certainly in many areas there is a crisis. The lid has just been taken off the boiling kettle and it's boiling over. Last year, more than 3,000 people were murdered here. The number has doubled in a decade. In some areas, the situation is so volatile that emergency services refuse to enter. How did Cape Town reach crisis point? The cable news network, CNN, pulls no punches either. Well, it was his first week on the job, and he quickly found out why his new gig may be one of the most dangerous in the world. A rookie security guard and his driver were ambushed on the road in South Africa by robbers firing AK-47s. It's not an uncommon event, in fact. CNN's Dave McKenzie takes us inside their truck to show us the ambush. Inside a cash and transit van, moments before the ambush. Behind the wheel, former police special task force veteran Leo Prinsloo. It's Lloyd Mtombeni's very first week on the job. The transit company said one of the most dangerous jobs in South Africa, and this is why. Gunmen firing AK-47s from a speeding luxury sedan. They're trying to kill Prinsloo, shoot out his tires on a highway in the capital, Pretoria. He forces the sedan off the road, but the threat isn't over. Security experts told us that this is the criminal's MO, using at least four vehicles with multiple gunmen. Watch as a white pickup comes in from the left. They try calling for backup. Often cash and transit teams pay with their lives. On this day, they were carrying cell phones. There were more than 150 heists like this in South Africa last year alone, according to police data. Just in the last few weeks, several dramatic incidents, like this one in Cape Town, have shocked South Africans. Prince Lou has been praised for his calm head and quick thinking. Remarkably, no one was injured and nothing was stolen in the attempted heist. David McKenzie, CNN, Johannesburg. However, even though there may be voter apathy and society is depressed, as elections tend to do, they can get tongues wagging, thumbs thumping and bodies bent out of shape. That's if you have the right set of characters in concert. Check this out. 
there are 100,000 people who are going to sleep tonight worrying about where their next meal's coming from and about five people who are worried about the hideous racism that's out there. Oh, anyway, I think we'll that's move. a bit, I'm sorry, I must interject at that point. Let's see if it gets, if let's see, know let's see if it gets tested. I don't think that many people are interested. In fact, the IRR has shown us endless reports of people who say that racism is at the bottom of their list of priorities and concerns. Their biggest priority is. don't are, experience the kind of racism that I experience on a daily basis. Okay. So to say well, that well, something that no one cares you're, you're, about, you're, I'm sorry. No, really, your, personal really experience, your personal experience is completely mm -hmm. anecdotal and unimportant to all of us. Oh, sorry. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you think that the experience yeah. of a black woman in this country is yes. unimportant I'm not, and irrelevant. I'm not, interested, I'm not interested in identity politics at all. Nobody really is. They're only interested in themselves, what they can get out of this. The elections are coming up. If you and service delivery, service delivery, please. It's just I'm over it. It's so uninteresting, and and this has played out so badly for people in other parts of the world where they've tried it. I can't believe you're going down this track. No, Gary, we're, we're not speaking about identity we're politics. We're speak. Okay, you can proceed with your conversation then. Please proceed. No, I, I want you to finish. I want you to at least you explain. You don't want me to finish because you're speaking over me. I'm just honest, this was not about sucking us into a conversation about race, politics and identity politics. We, we were having a conversation to say that the issues of service delivery are not as important as the issues that people genuinely feel when they yeah. feel like they're being raised. That was on a podcast hosted by controversial media personality Gareth Cliff. And it was sponsored by South Africa's political chicken franchise Nando's, as our folks at the Insight Factor would say. The Daily Maverick published a piece in defense of the podcast and had some spicy criticism for the fast food outlet. This was under the title, Grilled Nando's Taking Wings Out of Gareth Cliff's Flamed Roast Succumbs to the Will of the Mob and Serves No One. But apparently, Buffoonery is appealing to the electorate because one of the characters in this saga, high school Johnny, leader of the official opposition in South Africa, the Democratic Alliance, who had a smirk during that exchange, also knows how to woo young black voters with some pop culture references. Many of you know, they call me John Vooligate. Yeah. You know that song? John Vooligate. Nancy Stog. John Bulligan and Nancy Stog. John Bulligan and Nancy Stog. Well, let me tell you, on the 1st of November, I'm going to be John Bully Manzi. John Bully Pompo. John Bully Kaya. John Bully Msebenzi. And together, we're going to Vula and Steve Trayton Municipality. We're going to Vula that gate and put Bosman in there. We're going to Vula the gate and put a TA government in there. And we're gonna full of the gate for all of you. I suppose it's better to be entertained by a clown than having to confront a hostile crowd on campaign. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you about how your favorite president was jeered and booed across the country. The neoliberal is safe for now. However, according to Newsroom Africa, the party that has been losing by elections recently, the extraordinary flip-floppers, as I call them, got a cold reception on their campaign trail. Newsroom Africa reporter giving us a live update now on a situation developing in Natal where members of the ANC are blocking an EFF motorcade with Julius Malema access to a voting center. What we're seeing at this point appears to be a political intolerance on full display in Guazanatao. Ngosikwana, that then raises the question of where are the police, where are the IEC, who is mediating? see what was perceived to be the popular kids in South African politics getting it rough, hey? <laughs> but oddities are the norm in politics. Well, at least in this particular country. You must have heard 
of black KKK members in the United States, right? Check out the story by Eyewitness News. Not what you would expect in this little known village. A young black man frantically campaigning for a pro-Afrikaner conservative party. Negative reactions or not, Godfrey Kosana is unbothered. He is leaving no stone unturned, convincing his neighbors to rally behind his party, the Freedom Front Plus. Not only is he a card-carrying member, he's also its candidate here in Sipagu, Limbobo. And there's one fundamental principle which attracts him to the party. Loyalty. Loyalty to they are very loyal to Amavuta Swabo, regardless of the situation. Nala ubona kona utila bazo 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 offend the other people, but then for for the sake of Amavuta Swabo, they are stick to that thing. And that's precisely how the party cemented its place in South Africa's politics since its formation in March 1994. It unapologetically protects the interests of the minorities it serves, particularly the Afrikaners. Its founding leader, Constant Felyun, envisioned what he termed the folk start, an exclusively Afrikaner homeland. Need I say more? Anyway, remember, you can check us out on Facebook, The Thinking Behind It All, or you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore. And please consider making a small donation that will go a long way in helping us to produce the show for you. To do this, go to PayPal. Our username is TTBIA. Coming up next is the Letster with the stars. Then we have our segment with our guest speaker. This will be followed by the archives with JB. ISE will come in with some analysis and I will return at the end with some post-analysis and commentary. 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 The Stars with Naledi. It's a girl, Naledi, aka Ledster, you know the vibes. You know how the people in the entertainment industry have some drama and your girl's gonna keep you updated on some of the latest tea about some of your favorite celebrities so you can think a little bit more about who you follow. It's time for the local elections. Even though I can't vote, I'm still very eager to know where people stand on politics and how they make their final decisions to creating a better future for all. For those who don't know, the local government's elections are held every five years. This is where councillors and mayors are elected by the people who they will supposedly serve. And what a better way for political leaders to encourage South Africans to vote for their parties by getting South African celebrities to campaign for them. Political parties such as the ANC and the EFF are the ones that I noticed had a lot of celebrities backing them up for the upcoming elections. The African National Congress, ANC, describes themselves as a broad church of ideas and is led by Cyril Ramaphosa, the current president of the country. The DA, Democratic Alliance, is the opposition of the ANC, which is led by John Steenhazen. There wasn't much fanfare for them, but they do get some popular people talking. The EFF, Economic Freedom Fighters, is a South African pan-Africanist political party led by Julius Malema. Julius Malema got actors such as Ntando Duma, Konet Mamabolo and Clement Mayosa and the king of AMA 2000's Uncle Vinny to perform at their rallies. These celebrities put on a show for people with their outfits and dancing skills as they were dancing to AMA piano with other EFF supporters. The ANC was backed up by artists such as Lady Du, Young Stana and Tuli Pongolo, who took to their socials to share their excitement to be a part of the ANC rallies, but people just haven't been happy with Lady Du and called her out for supporting the ANC. One person commented, and I quote, should have just gone there in silence. These political programs are degrading some of you guys. Then what can we say? When money talks, we'll have to keep quiet. 
Yo, you should have kept it to yourself, Lady Do. Lesson learned, right? A lot of celebs didn't really tell us where they stand, but encouraged people to vote, such as Black Coffee, who tweeted to his followers telling them to register to vote. His followers replied to his tweet by posting screenshots showing that they have registered. Pearl Tusi had a few things to say about the elections, and I quote, What does the South African government do well? And a Twitter user replied, to a statement by posting a picture of Pearl in an ANC shirt and added that one thing government does well is use celebrities to bring in votes. She replied to this by saying, and I quote, I really needed that rent money, hence I said actively promoting any party. But if I knew then what I know now, regrettably, I also did a DA gig that year. Yes, I did that. And you would do it too for a check. She posted another tweet saying, and I quote, I swear if the ANC wins elections again, then we just have a deep-rooted self-hate as a nation. We have to find another option. A user responded by saying, and I quote, the very same ANC that created opportunities for you to unleash your dreams and talent, now you think you're clever and you're entering a political space. We shall engage you politically if you want to be a politician. I agree with this statement because Pearl is very quick to pick and choose which party she'll be supporting based off the party's popularity at that time. So is it about what will benefit them, celebrities, and not about making a thought-out decision in determining our future as a country? Okay, I see y'all celebs. So, to go back to what I said in the beginning, think a little bit more about who you follow. Follow, follow, follow. What's the word? An opinion with our guest speaker. <clears throat> Hi, my name is uh, McDonald Mashobo, aka McD. Currently reside in, in Davidson, Barcelona. Uh, they know it as B-Town. McDonald is a outgoing person. Love going to church as well. Into sports, movies. I like interacting with people. That's why I even took a career of customer service. I'm a quality analyst by profession for a company called Statec. And I'm a father of three. Been married since 2016. Thank you for joining us on the People's Podcast, MacDizzo. You have had some interesting conversations with the people on the streets. I would like us to have a conversation about that. First of all, can you please describe the people that you were interacting with? These are passionate, young and old black people from the location whom are unemployed, some for a very long time, some since 2010, some since 2018 or 20, 2017. When you look at how they provide for their families, it's heartwarming. Although, you know, it's very, very difficult when you are feeding your kids with the little that you get and have nothing uh, remaining. These people have been to school, Melusi. They've completed their metric. They've went to varsity. I was interviewing people that have done law, people that have completed their engineering studies. To see them sitting at home with no opportunities, it makes it very, very difficult. What were your impressions of the people? Very bubbly individuals whom are not afraid to live their life even though they have nothing. I believe that the middle class can also learn from these people. And when they tell their stories, uh, very, very touching stories, how they grew up and what they aspired to become, you can see the passion and the courage that they have to actually make it in life. How was the experience of talking to them for you? Having this conversation with them was quite an eye-opener and I got to find out more than I knew about them in the past. Tell us what they said in relation to the question of whether or not they're happy with the state of South Africa today. Most of what we spoke about was them being unhappy. I am 
100% unhappy. I'm very unhappy. The level of corruption is very bad. There's like this corruption everywhere. When it comes to health services, police services, free services, there's like just always corruption. I feel there's nothing I can, there's nothing we could do, but there's something we can do. Yeah, yes, I'm just neutral. Just neutral. If we are to look at your happiness, how happy are you on a scale of one to ten? Like a four. That's a four. Okay. You're also not satisfied in terms of. So it's racism. I'll take it as come as well. As come affects the entire South Africa. Eskom is legendary. Unemployment is an issue. Unemployment rate, right? I could have been a second and just jablang. Why? In terms of this nga jabul is kakelem kotin. Solo unjesazalo, umkot. Yeah. Silale mazenke, nga siin kukem kukwin. We are not happy. Uh, so. La baba pezulu, la ma president akona pizza ya sting, so akona manjeng melez vaccine, bas bulal. I can just get a sip on in good leg. Imagine bus half full of a sip. I go call. My name is Emmanuel. Yeah. This classic. Yeah. And then much. As a sack classic. Job I went back home and my three fifth time I foot parcel whatever. What time I cancel our sevens? Yeah, but I cancel that our sevens. Yeah. At at sevens they like a common. Yeah. democracy development of the country. Okay. So far, she ignored. All right. As long as she's listening, hey, all about me. Talk about selling the papers. They are full of corruption. All of them. Okay. Those guys are corrupt. In terms of things that makes them unhappy, some don't even have toilets. They still have to dig in their yards. There's no running water. The roads are very bad. When it rains, the kids can't go to school. Being unemployed is one of the driving factors that contributes to them being unhappy. And the level of corruption that we're seeing. So all of those things contribute to them being so unhappy with what's happening in South Africa. What does democracy mean to them? Some really still believe that democracy is non-existent. Hey, democracy today, uh, it's, it's not for the people. It's for those who are part of the government. They have free will for themselves. We don't. Yeah, we just get pieces from them. And that's it. According to me, democracy should be... Everyone should be equal, according to me. Financially, we should all have the all fine. We should all have the same opportunities. Right, right, right. That's that's the that's democracy for me. We should all be the same, male or female, male or female. Angel, yeah, fun. Nonsense, Angel. Rubbish. So it's, I, I exist to go. I for me number four. Young Kenja, you can't exist. I never thought about coming. I'm at three fifty. Now I'm at four fifty. Nonsense. Yeah. Ne gudi, ne gudi, ne three fifty for the whole month. Yenzan three fifty. Yeah. 
Yeah. Democracy is for the rich. Democracy is for people that are not South African. And I'm also hearing that for them, the false promises is what makes it very difficult to realize what democracy is about. Because as voters, they feel that politicians come to them when it's election times with promises and all of a sudden there's development but soon after nothing happens and the fact that the government also gives them 350 rand during this COVID period makes it extraordinarily difficult for them to actually live decent lives so to them all in all democracy is a myth because they still live in abject poverty. So, yeah, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Do they trust or distrust the media? All of them watch SABC, E! News. It's news media that's regulated. E! is a great broadcast. On E! And then um, SABC has a lot of propaganda. They never show the bad sides of ANC, you know. The news you can never trust because they never tell you what, you, what they don't want you to hear. They tell you what you don't want to hear, what, not what you need to hear. And trust the loot of Joseph Kunyanje. It's a pick today vaccination. And it's a big loot of a fun and was bula leputis. And Tembija loot. Okay. So, Bafunukun Bulala. Yeah, Bassafuna and the Manja Batale Buranja. When and Junga Filaranjan, Auna Mamma Nam Sanj, Auna Coca Nam Kun, and I live in the list. He knows me that I need Tim. Why? Keep um kong wong and then uban and a switch off uban a camp um long. Yeah, oh, go now go now. Maybe kuluma ba kulumi loko kwa manga yugo opfela. That depend. Yeah, that depend. Was na iya cut. Iya cut. In news media. Yo na e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e yeah. So in news media, a corner like Caesar Corner, corner footilla. Yeah, Angus is a corner, you won't die.
McVie, it sounds like they don't trust mainstream media in general because I'm hearing sentiments of fake news being told on these platforms and that these media houses are quite selective about whose stories they tell. Essentially, they are very distrustful of South African mainstream media. Yeah, maybe if they were given an opportunity to interact with people that are from the independent news media, maybe they will be providing a different perspective to them understanding news in general. And lastly, MacDizzo, what is your takeaway from these engagements? Respect to one another. We know that the people in the middle class do not regard people from poor backgrounds as equal as them. Always be passionate about your country, your surroundings, and love it. Because if you love it, then you tend to do more to make it change from what it is. So the people that I've engaged with, they went out their way to give me a clearer perspective of what they feel and think. Think, think. In the Archives with JB. Hi, it's JB, here with you in the Archives of People's Stories. I view history like this. An archive of stories told from the perspective and agenda of individuals representing races, cultures, and religions from across the world. This approach makes learning not only feel less intimidating, but more exciting. I want all these races, cultures, religions, and so on to influence my own idea of what the world was, is, and should be. Today, let's explore democracy. Having spent my formative years in some of the most rural parts of America, my visions of democracy were filled with shiploads of ambitious pilgrims. Founding forefathers striving to build an America based on freedom and equal rights for all. Inspiring childhood stories of Indians teaching us to grow corn and so on. I want you to put your right hand over your heart. And now we are going to look at the flag and we will say the words together. Okay, here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. How was I to know? If you were to ask me about democracy back then, I'd have waxed lyrical about all things true and American. Enter the internet. In the late 90s and early 2000s, I began reading news articles and chatting online with friends abroad. I was both enlightened and angered. Why are we so insular? Why do we believe that America should be the yardstick with which to measure the rest of the world? The world doesn't even use yardsticks anymore. This began my lifelong search for the truths we as Americans have been denied. So, with the understanding that democracy is not, in fact, America, let's take a look at what it actually is and where it may have originated. I didn't like Google's definition of democracy, so I did some further rummaging. The Museum of Australian Democracy, Old Parliament House, says the word democracy has its origins in the Greek language. Demos, meaning whole citizen living in a particular city-state, and kratos, meaning power or rule. A liberal democracy, that is, one that champions the development and well-being of the individual, is organized in such a way as to define and limit power so as to promote legitimate government within a framework of justice and freedom. Propaganda. It didn't start with friendly pilgrims. The word comes from the Greek, so we know it goes back at least as far as ancient Greece. Hey Google. Where was democracy first introduced? Athens. On the website nationalgeographic.org, they say, the first known democracy in the world was in Athens. Athenian democracy developed around the 5th century BCE. Everything I run across has to do with Europe and America. Let's see if we can discover why it is that the history of democracy seems so elusive. In his paper, the African Origins of the Athenian Democracy, 
Narcis Tiki, a professor of political science at the University of Connecticut, writes, Democracy is arguably the most studied concept and form of social organization in political science. But, surprisingly, political scientists have showed little interest in its origins. This is the case because scholars are mostly concerned, correctly, with the substance of contemporary politics, not its history. The few studies that discuss the emergence of the concept and practice of democracy invariably look at the city-state of Athens in ancient Greece. Thus, the general consensus among scholars seem to be that Athens is the birthplace of democracy. Other parts of the world, including sub-Saharan Africa, are ignored or omitted from the historical evolution of democracy. Some scholars totally dismiss Africa in particular, arguing that there was nothing democratic about pre-colonial African institutions. Some go as far as to say that Africa's difficulties arise from cultural norms that are less likely to support democratic institutions. From their perspective, Africa has been devoid of democratic elements until these elements were introduced and imposed by Western colonialism. But nothing could be further from the truth and the reality is that historical evidence simply does not support such contention. In fact, the works of historians suggest that it is from Africa that the fire of Athenian democracy was stolen. Chancellor Williams, who conducted research in 26 African nations and studied over 100 different cultural groups, wrote a book I can personally recommend. The Destruction of Black Civilization, Great Issues of a Race from 4500 BC to 2000 AD. In this book, he writes, The African Constitution is discussed as a body of fundamental theories, principles, and practices drawn from the customary laws that govern black African societies from the earliest times. The foregoing observations suggest the constitution of any people or nation, written or unwritten, derives from its customary rule of life, and what we now call democracy was generally the earliest system among various peoples throughout the ancient world. Damola Adejumo Aibio, a scholar whose research focuses on generating African solutions for African problems, has this to say. Western-style democracy in Africa is just a way of pushing the neoliberal agenda. The region has its own rich democratic traditions to draw from. If I have learned anything from our little excursions into these archives, it is that history is all too often not as we first perceive. Questioning what we read, whether we find all the answers or not, helps us become better stewards of information. Until our next time in the archives, remember, the story is as much in the wording as it is in the words. 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 Beneath the headlines with ice. I'm back again with the legendary ISE about to break down a text for y'all, seeing that it's elections. Is that what we're looking at, ice? Definitely, definitely, man. It's election time. It's that time of the year again where politicians come with their promises. So uh, I enjoyed actually breaking this text down. Maybe we should call this analysis piece definite ice. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so with that said, what are we looking at? We're looking at an article from The Citizen. It reads, Election 2021, Essays Voters Sentenced to Death by Yawning. And it's written by Russell Crystal and Shelley Lowe. Can you please summarize what this article is about? Well, in the lead up to local government elections, the authors of this article provide an overview of how the main political parties and some of the smaller political parties have been canvassing for votes. 
The article covers a range of issues from voter result percentages in past elections, controversy around the strategies used by political parties, and generally the lack of depth on the part of political parties and their lack of engagement with the needs of the electorate. So this is an analytical piece? Definitely. It's got... uh, deep analysis of these three main political parties, mainly the EFF, the ANC and the DA. And it's got their percentages in past elections, very analytical on the part of the authors. I see though that there is less focus on even smaller parties than the EFF. No, definitely. The main parties that the article wants to analyze here it's the da and the anc there's very little said about the eff and other smaller parties such as the ff plus and action sa what are the underlying messages in this text well malusi there's a mood in this article that suggests that voter turnout is most likely to be bad or negative in this year's local government elections i'm particularly drawn to this quote here that that reads For all its importance, safe to say that this campaign has turned out to be death by yawning for voters. The content of the messaging itself on the part of political parties here has been of such mediocre standard it may have failed to resonate with and inspire disenchanted voters to actually go out and vote. <laughs> Secondly, there's this idea that, you know, who is going to win the soul of the black voters in the article, right? The soul? Yeah, the soul of the black voters, brah, you know? Okay. And um, in a No one's winning my soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, we all know that your soul is black, Malusi, so... And in attempting to answer this question, the authors, they sort of rule out the DA almost immediately, right? They say that voters have tended to treat local elections as they do national elections. And they claim that the DA has failed to recognize this fact by not focusing enough on the bigger concerns of the voters, such as land expropriation, BEE, and a national health insurance. For international audience, BEE is Black Economic Empowerment. It's affirmative action in the business sense when it comes to doing business in South Africa. So the article also wants to maintain or point out to the reader that the DA's core voter base is mainly comprised of colored, white and Indian voters. So they definitely aren't winning the souls of black people. In writing about the ANC, the article points out that the leading party still has the majority of voters and support of black voters. Particular quote here that stood out for me was The essence of the ANC campaigning is most effective on the streets, in shabins, and at small local community gatherings, especially those in rural areas. It goes on to say that it is in these environments that the ANC is most able to exploit their race identity program. Finally, in writing in terms of the EFF, the authors suggest that the EFF will be most likely to benefit from winning the soul of the black voters. Particularly what stood out for me here is, it, being the EFF, is likely to be the main recipient of the growing dissatisfaction with the ANC. The growing trend to turn to identity politics in the country will be exploited by the EFF to position itself as the only real champion of black voter interests. I'm still disturbed by the fact that people are trying to win my black soul. What is the tone or tones of the article and how are these created? Well, the article takes on a very sarcastic tone in describing the electioneering that takes place leading up to the local government elections. The opening line of the article reads, We are accustomed to politicians describing ad nauseum every election as crucial. Now, the use of the word ad nauseum is something that has been done or repeated so often that it has become annoying or tiresome. The authors also use a great deal of inverted commas to sarcastically describe attributes of various political parties. For instance, in the previous quote about politicians describing every election as crucial, 
The word crucial is placed in inverted commas, suggesting it might not be as crucial as the politicians state it is. The same is used to describe the ANC as a glorious government. This actually speaks towards the governing party's failures, especially in local municipalities and governing of those local municipalities. Lastly, Malusi, it's that the article also makes use of rhetorical questions in its opening paragraphs to carry this tone of sarcasm, asking the reader to consider certain aspects about these political parties. In the opening paragraph, the question asked by the authors is, is this our final warning? Are we good to go for another 20 dreary years towards SA's inevitable demise? Um, if you are a linguist, you would know that rhetorical questions are questions that don't require any answers. In this case, the reader can come to their own conclusions about whether or not the next 20 years will be the same. What this also suggests is that for the past 20 years, no significant change has come from elections. Instead, every election is always the same. Politicians break out posters before elections and extravagant promises, but never affect any real change in the lives of those that elected them. Now, are there any biases in this article? That's my rhetorical question. I found biases in the way the authors wrote about Mostly the three main political parties, that being the ANC, the DA and the EFF. When writing about the ANC, the authors note that the ANC has no real policies that speak to municipal service delivery or local governance. Instead, according to the authors, the only strategy used by the ANC is the race card to divide the, and confuse the country. It goes without saying that the large numbers of people dependent on social grants will turn up faithfully at polls. When writing about the DA, the writers claim that the party has an intensive, well-planned, conventional campaigning technique. This causes the reader to be more sympathetic towards the DA and consider them, the DA, as the only party that actually speaks to service delivery in municipalities. But not the sophistication in the language there. Intensive. Well-planned. Well-planned. Conventional. Conventional. They make them sound rather well put together. You know, it's the party that is very considerate and measured and professional. Yes, gives us this idea that the DA is the party to be with during these elections. Anyway, when writing about smaller political parties such as the EFF, Action SA and FF Plus, the article only touches on these smaller parties and lacks the in-depth analysis it gave the ANC and the DA. I think that this maybe suggests that these parties aren't as important and should not be regarded by the reader or the potential voter. Let's move on to the picture. I want you to compare the mood created by the images with the rest of the text. Well, the device here used is very powerful, Malusi. The picture used in the article is a group of light posts in the capital city, Pretoria, or Tswane, that have... That Tswane, have, hey? Tswane. Okay. Tswane. All right. <laughs> no, bro, go on. You no. see like Tswane, eh? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so Tswane, huh? Okay, go on. So anyway... Um, that soul's gone, people. No, no, no more black soul. <laughs> Now the picture is a group of light posts that have the posters of these various political parties. What is interesting is that the posters that feature in the picture most are that of the ANC and the DA. And what I think this does, it highlights the lack of creativity on the part of political parties and the lack of choice that the electorate has. But smartly as well, this image then ties in with how the text is presented or the ideas in the text presented because these are the parties that the authors are also mainly talking about or analyzing in their article. That's very good analysis. And what they do is that in the picture, mostly the poster that you see in the picture are that of the DA. And that bolsters this idea of them being sympathetic towards the DA and what we've said earlier about the DA being the team that's going to win local government elections. Then lastly, Eyes, how accessible 
is this article to various potential voters? The point of access is a very important one because I felt in this article that the ideal reader would be someone that would be found in an urban area and who is well educated, who understands what politics and current affairs is about. The resistant reader would be the type of reader that was discussed earlier in the text, the black majority. This is someone who does not have the literacy levels to understand the analytical parts of this text and might not feel as engaged with the article. They might view this article as elitist, in fact. But you're black. Yes, I'm black, but uh, very well educated. Oh, okay. Right, um, something to notice about the majority of black voters, they come from impoverished communities. And these are people that are most likely to end up as your alcoholic or drug addict. And it's unlikely that someone of that upbringing with the low literacy levels that they have would engage with this type of article. Article, article, article. The Conclusion Post-Analysis and Commentary with Malusi Nala In concluding, I would like to highlight a few things. It is very depressing to be a South African and as I said in an opinion piece that I recently wrote, published before the elections, it's been particularly difficult in the last five years. Why? Because the crop of leaders that are in government currently are the ones that made lots of noises about being anti-corrupt, about good governance, about accountability, about transparency, about giving people basic services. This was their ticket. But the outcome, well, maybe there are no outcomes because people are hungry. If you're white, you're still unhappy with the streets. And that's a fair thing, by the way. (laughs) There's no maintenance of other infrastructure. People can't get houses who deserve houses unless they're willing to pop up 10, 20, 30, 40, some instances even 50,000 rand to get a house. Now imagine being poor and you being required to do that. There's a lot more, a lot more. So it is very depressing to be a South African. I'm sure other people from other countries think similar thoughts about their governments based on the problems that they're experiencing. So how can you expect people to be that excited about elections? That's why we have the apathy. That's why we have the distrust in institutions. Because people cannot trust presidents. People cannot trust Politicians, they can't trust the councillors, they can't trust the political parties. But it extends even further because they can't even trust the police, they can't trust the courts in some instances. They can't trust the state. This brings me to my next point. This is the state of democracy. Hence, some people may be thinking to themselves, maybe this democracy thing is not really working out so well for me. But there comes a time for reflection at some point in time in society. It's good. You shouldn't feel despondent on that level as to question democracy because you know why? Democracy can take different forms. And this is something that people need to be aware of. The fact that you are the ones that shape your democracy. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be a capitalist system. You can easily advocate for a socialist type of democracy, which is something that is non-existing in most parts of the world, especially in South Africa. But then I want to also lastly highlight the fact that elections are not the be-all and end-all of democracy. Your responsibility as a citizen does not end with you casting a vote. And that's where people have been getting it wrong 
for so long. You need to engage. You need to engage with your world. You can't just be oblivious. That's the first thing. The second thing, and perhaps the most important thing, is to be involved with what's happening in your communities. Be aware of those potholes, you know? Be aware of the missing lights. Be aware of the fact that your neighbor does not have water and electricity. And then, ask the questions because that's how you hold people accountable go to your municipalities go to the politicians that you have elected ask them the questions why is this happening why are you stealing what's going on why aren't we being serviced as promised so your duty extends further than you just casting a vote saying i like chocolate or i like vanilla no it goes further than that you need to tell us how this chocolate and vanilla actually tastes like. Maybe it doesn't taste the way it's supposed to. Maybe vanilla tastes like chocolate or chocolate tastes like vanilla. That's what I wish to see going forward. An active citizenry. Where people will actually take charge of their own lives. Because politicians and corporations will definitely not do it for you. Thank you for joining us for the fourth edition of the second season of the People's Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider making a small donation. You can do this on PayPal. Our PayPal is at TTBIA. Also, you can follow us on social media. Our Facebook is The Thinking Behind It All. And our Twitter is at TTBIA underscore. Remember to tell your family, your lovers, and colleagues about the show. Until next time, your silence is concession. Sharp, 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 sharp.